Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Not Just New Movies podcast, the show where we review a seemingly random film currently not in theaters. My name is Ben Pearson, and today we're going to be talking about Tommy Lee Wallace's 1982 film, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Joining me is my regular co-host, Tyler. How are you, man? 10 years, buddy. 2010 to 2020. It'll be on our oh, gravestone soon. This podcast has been running for 10 years. Not continuously. No, but, of course uh, not. But yeah, it has been... I, I, I don't know if you could call us pioneers. Probably not, um, to be fair. I'm but, going uh, to. We were definitely in like that first wave, I think, of podcasting. So, uh, yeah, there's that. And if you're just joining us for the very first time, welcome to the show. You can find all of our previous episodes at njnmpodcast.blogspot.com. And if you would like to contact us, you can do that by email at notjustnewmovies at gmail.com. So it has been a couple of years since we recorded an episode of this podcast. So this is now the third iteration of the show. We did like 100 episodes of the quote-unquote normal episodes and then we did a mini series mm. called not just new movies the return mm. uh, where we talked about movies <laughs> movies that had the word return in the title and now <laughs> uh, to honor this third iteration of the show this new batch of episodes that we're planning is going to be about uh, movies with the number three in the title or covering the third entry in a franchise so uh, Tyler, do you want to add anything to that? Well, I was thinking about it last night. Is it is it the third entry or is it a movie with the number three in the title? Because I can't remember if we decided on, like, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is the third installment, but it doesn't have the number three in the title. So I'm wondering if we uh, live if we live or die by a rule in this uh, iteration. Hmm. Yeah, that's an so we'll have to question. look through our look through our episodes and see if three is in every single title. Yeah, and then I guess if just the number three is in the title, does that mean that we could also then watch like uh, the Naked oh. Gun 33 and a third? Or just, well, just yeah, that is the third entry, but I, I like the idea of a movie with the number three in it that isn't the third entry. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think initially it was just threequels, so maybe that's the rule right now. Maybe we'll change it over time. Okay, all right. So it's definitely a threequel. We prefer to have the number three in the title. Sure, I like it. Okay. Uh, now, then, so, continuity-wise, yeah. where does this entry, where does this installment fall into the ten-year, the very tightly kept continuity that we have of uh, our adventures through the Potosphere? Uh, I mean, you tell me. That's uh, you're. I, I feel like you're the keeper of our adventures uh, through the Potosphere. Well, what have you done since the cancellation of NJNM Return? Wait, NJ. Hmm. <laughs> not just new movies. The, the return, return. JNM. <laughs> I don't nailed like it. That. <laughs> um, well, I think the last episode we did was in 2018, so yeah. certainly a lot has changed. I am still uh, working at Slash Films. You can read my writing at slashfilm.com. Um, I've moved back to Florida, so Second Floor wow. Studios is no more. So the, if, if oh, that's wow. what you're getting at, um, you know no. that, that's the the closing of a chapter of our podcasting history. I used to record on the second floor apartment uh, in, in Los Angeles, and now that place has been, uh, you know, re- returned from whence it came, basically. So um, return Jane and them. <laughs> oh, now, do you have two stories in your house? Uh, I do, but I'm actually Second floor studios reincarnated. No, I'm recording on the first floor because that's where my office is. Okay. I can't can't extend my commitment to the bit that far, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, Ben, since the five cast was canceled uh, four years ago, uh, obviously I've been keeping you up. I uh, became a short order cook. Uh, I went on the Weird Al Yankovic uh, music cruise. 
okay. uh, crash, crashed onto a, a deserted island, uh, discovered that the island itself was a spaceship. So I was hurtled into the outer reaches of the universe. Uh, I came uh, mind to mind with some of the space whales we've run into in the past. I transformed into a space whale. And then it was right around that time you gave me the call that uh, NGNM was returning. So I had to uh, space fly back to Earth. And uh, that's about where we're at here. Tyler, I got to tell you, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. You remember uh, the space whales because it was a timeline that we averted by by rescuing ourselves uh, from uh, doing the five cast. Uh, This is all... uh, this is all five cast lore. This is five ca- well, I mean, we've crossed over with NJNM, so I'm assuming it's it's one lore. Okay, so just hashtag in case one people hashtag one lore. In case people are uh, <laughs> listening to this for the very first time and have no idea what this is, uh, <laughs> goodbye. The five the five cast was another podcast that we recorded, uh, and you can actually find I think all of those episodes are maybe still available. Tyler, Most of them, right? Most okay. of them. Yeah, so just the good ones, for, not uh, the bad the number, ones. The number five and then cast. And you can find it and maybe, maybe begin to uh, comprehend what right. Tyler is talking about. Even though, like I said, I participated in all of this and I am still sort of drawing a blank. But Yeah, sometimes you, sometimes when we time travel, our minds are wiped. Yeah. <laughs> but now that okay. I'm a space whale, I remember all timelines. Um, all now, right. one, of the, one of the things we talked about on the Fivecast a lot was movies. So obviously, not just new movies, the podcast is one that's uh, close to my heart. And uh, Ben, I'm excited to... Uh, you know, give the same kind of detailed reviews I always I've always done for the art of yes. film. Yes, indeed. All right, so um, I think we should say that we used to have recurring segments on the show where we would play different <laughs> games, and oh, there was yeah, a segment was at one point called the T Spot, where Tyler would just like talk about whatever he wanted for a few minutes. <laughs> Um, that's basically what's what's just been going on right now. now. I forgot uh, about that. I love that. <laughs> Bringing the T right. spot back. So let's, uh, in the sake for the sake of brevity, let's skip all of that today yeah. and just get right into our discussion of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. <laughs> Witchcraft. All of us. Stop it! Halloween. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3. Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. All right, Tyler. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch came out in 1982. It was written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. And this is the first film in the Halloween film series to, the first and only film, to not Mm -hmm. feature 
Michael Myers. Uh, I have seen the first Halloween, the John Carpenter one, um, yeah, a handful of times, maybe two or three times in my life. I've seen Halloween 2 only once, and I don't really remember much about it. This is my first viewing of Halloween 3. What is your relationship to this franchise? I, I know you're a big like horror franchise guy. Is Halloween one of your franchises? Yes. Uh, okay. Try to watch uh, a franchise a year, and then sometimes I'll go back and rewatch entries because they're good. So, like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is a really good one. Uh, I'm I'm really starting to like Halloween, the little trilogy they had four, five, and six with, um, and that, that actually has a lot of Halloween in it. But okay. uh, the third one is always like considered the black sheep, where it has no, it's no Michael Myers. It's like a totally different tale. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of fans at the time are like, oh, where's Michael Myers? But now I think uh, it's been a little more appreciated in recent years because it's strange and it has a lot to do with Halloween. Yeah, it seems to have grown certainly in reputation and, and you know, become something of a cult movie. I still, you know, I was looking at like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Not that that is, uh, not that anyone should pay attention to yeah, that screw those in, guys. In sort of real way but i was just curious about like what the i guess critical reception was at the time and stuff and and even now like the <laughs> the numbers there are not uh, terrific oh really um, so, is it uh, passing 70 we're talking 78th percentile i have it pulled up in front of me right now oh, i don't okay. remember but um uh, uh, let's start with this do you think this is a scary movie because i would say that the first halloween anyway is is a scary movie i was like terrified of michael myers it's like about real things and it's like this you know this uh, even though the shape is uh this sort of all-consuming figure it's about like you know um, breaking into the suburbs and like piercing the illusion of safety that people have and all that kind of stuff. This movie is uh it takes a, a huge left turn from that. Do you consider what happens here uh, scary? Um, I mean, I definitely, even after this last viewing, I, uh, I did feel uneasy. I think, is that scary? I mean, I wasn't like scared for my life, but it does make, it does have like a sense of uneasiness where it's strange enough where you're like, you might have a weird dream about it or uh, you might look at things differently, but it's definitely one of those movies that in the eighties that I love because it feels like the whole world is just empty and there's only like 10 people that exist and, and you kind of uh, get like a weird vibe from it where, uh, I, I just, I don't know. There's something unexplainable about how I, f- how I feel. Cause I'm not scared, but I'm also not like dismissing it as not scary. Cause it is a mm-hmm. little uneasy watching it. Cause I don't know that TV stuff and then bugs and snakes coming yeah. out of all kinds of holes. It's, uh, it's not great. Don't feel great at during that scene. Yeah. I was going to say that I don't really think it's a scary movie, but it, it is disturbing. And maybe that's kind yeah. of what you're getting at too. It's like, especially those moments, it, it's really only, I find it to be like intermittently disturbing because there's, right. this is a very slow and sort of drawn out movie. And it sort of feels like, um, you know, halfway through the movie, you kind of are, or I found myself anyway, going like, this is a Halloween movie. Like this is part of this, you know, uh, iconic franchise. This is kind of crazy to think about it. It has like more sci-fi aspects to it. than You know, traditional, um, you know, spooks and and stuff like that, spooks and scares. So there's almost like science fiction aspects to this, like Stonehenge is involved for some reason. I was not expecting that. 
yeah, it's like from the very first credit sequence, it's the electronic jack-o'-lantern instead of the traditional farmer's mm-hmm. jack-o'-lantern. And so, uh, yeah, the technology and the the intertwining with mythological Halloween, which really should be called the season of like the Celt or the season of the Irish or something like that. Cause mm. I only think the word witch is mentioned once in the, uh, <clears throat> when Cochrane is describing what he's trying to do. And Tom Atkins is like, Oh my God, it's witchcraft. It's like, okay, I got it. Season of the witch. And that's like the only point in the movie where w- witches are mentioned when it really should be something to do with like Irish mythology or paganism yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that was supposed to be like a um, a promotional marketing ploy, where it's like season of the witch. It's like people will go see it. Yeah, you think there's going to be a witch involved, and there really isn't one. Um, but there's all sorts of other insane shit instead. Like the, you know, yeah. there's like robots and stuff. Like I was, I was yeah. really. I mean, where like lasers shoot out of mechanical computer chips and yeah stuff. Like, uh you must have been all about this because a oh, lot yeah. of that kind of stuff just feels very much up your alley oh yeah i was definitely like uh your uh what's that uh that nightclub and terminator tech noir oh yeah tech noir yes <laughs> very tech noir and uh as you'll see in phantasm a lot of uh a lot of aesthetic similarities um the yellow the yellow goo that fills the robots mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, lasers and this attempt to like turn everyone into the yellow goo monsters. Um, so it's interesting to think that I think phantasm came out like 1978. So I wonder if um, Tommy Lee Wallace, what's his name? Tom Lee yeah. Wallace. Mm-hmm. Did he assassinate Lincoln? Or is that someone else? <laughs> I think that was somebody else. <laughs> uh yeah, there's like yellow goo in both movies. That's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Yeah, and you mentioned and earlier like the oh, okay, all right, got that look to look forward to. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the technology, and I think that that point about the uh, the opening credits is is a really um, you know a, a, an adept. What's the point? A uh, what's the word? Uh, an observant point, like the uh, idea of technology. You know, this whole movie sort of feels about like a, a fear of technology, like. Um, you know, this is 1982. This is the same year as Blade Runner. This is like, mm. um, Antron. You know, right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> technology is like, um, encroaching on the American way of life in a way that it never had before. And I, I have to wonder if that is, if this movie is like a way to sort of work through some of those issues, even though, you know, as ridiculous as it is, um, just like the, there, you know, there's a giant James Bond villain layer at the end and like all these yeah. computers with blinking lights and like, you know, you get the sense that like even the people in the movie don't necessarily understand what it all means. And it, it just it feels like, um, you know, the the idea of like uh, a feed that can infect the world through uh, television is like, um, you know, an idea that's been explored on, on film before, but um like I said, just the positioning of this being in the or the early eighties and, you know, this, this new wave of technology, uh, uh on the horizon, it, it feels like that's really what this movie is like actually about quote unquote about, if you want to say it's about anything. I like the town too, the little company town mm-hmm. where everyone's just like stereotypically Irish. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> 
and like the lone hobo is just uh you know like the odd man out <laughs> he goes he, they wouldn't even offer me a job it's like yeah. well first of all you're a useless drunk uh second it's just like the hotel so i was doing like my my leprechaun voice the whole time um <laughs> i'm glad that wasn't recorded for posterity. no it definitely wasn't <laughs> But, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, they, they made such a big deal about, I don't know if you read up on him, but the guy who plays Cochrane is like, oh, Hurley, oh, Hurley. Mm. And I didn't know if he was, like, a famous actor at the time because it, te- it seemed like he got, like, a pretty big blurb in the credits. I wonder oh. if he was um, a breakout star because I've, I've only ever seen him in this. So maybe he was, like, a big soap opera star or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't, so that's I haven't done any research up. about that. But, the, but you mentioned how did the, how, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say, you mentioned the uh, the homeless guy, and that was one of the things I'd written down was, like, how insane is it that the uh, the doctor, the hero, Tom Atkins, just gives him a drink yeah. when he asks for it? I was just like, what? I, that is, like, one of the craziest things in this movie is just the idea of, like, uh, you know, a strange person approaching you on the street when you've just bought a, a bottle of alcohol and yeah. this person that you've never met before just being like, Hey, can I get a sip of that? And you'd yeah. be like, yeah, sure. Okay. Now, now he did preface that he didn't have any diseases. So, you know, I took a man at his word. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> You're like a brother to me now. <laughs> um, well, let's run. Let's do we do see, do we do section by section? Uh, this, uh, this can, time around, we can do whatever you want, man. Let's let's All do right. it. Let's open it up to however you want to tackle it. Let's make it so the listeners don't even have to watch this. Actually, <laughs> I do. I do think uh, the Blu-ray for this wasn't great. It didn't have any like documentaries. I was I was trying to check out some documentaries on this one, um, but um, I'm sure there's like some production stories that would be pretty interesting on this. Uh, I know John Carpenter and uh, someone else did the music for it, which. Um, the music is that commercial is pretty catchy and I don't like it, which is a shame, but the music is, um, I don't know. It's very tonal. The like frequency of it is Mm -hmm. a little, uh, I don't, it's probably unsettling, but I think I've used unsettling already. Yeah. So I'm just going to say annoying because it really hits your ear in the incredibly wrong place. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not uh, it's not your five four Halloween Michael right. Myers <laughs> theme. Mm-hmm. It's um it's computer generated, but the master of synth man uh, John Carpenter. He uh, I think this was a miss uh, this time around, and he's done a lot of good stuff. Yeah, so it's can't, kind can't of a really shame. S- yeah, it, it's a shame that this commercial is the thing that is. Uh, that this movie is remembered for because you know i think there is some good stuff sort of like in the actual score of this movie but that that damn song and that commercial just really like um plays so many times that it leaves more of a lasting impression than anything that's actually in the like the music proper you know yeah um and then we've got tom atkins father of two um i think that's the actor's name (laughs) (laughs) yes it it is tim or tom it's Tom. And he's presumably an alcoholic. And uh, But I wondered if the screenwriter for this had been recently divorced because the wife is made out to be uh, kind of the villain yeah. in the family. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of like the cool doctor that, like, sleeps at the hospital and tries to bang everybody. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I was like, I, I thought perhaps this was like a Spielberg moment where... Spielberg wrote his divorce into the movie. 
Um, but yeah, he's, he's kind of an absent father, which, um, he's not really a good guy. He's just kind of an inquisitive fella. Yeah. You got that impression. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, he's overly friendly with a a nurse, which I, Oh yeah. That was HR. That was a HR violation. Number one. (laughs) I think there were two of many. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and, and the, the, uh, you know, the, the woman that he ends up like sleeping with, um, oh yeah, who's the daughter of uh, a man who I think had his oh the man from the beginning or something in the very beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she is like way too young for him. Like you know, it, it's very strange watching their relationship and, and just watching and like thinking about this character. This uh, what is his name? The the uh, Tom Atkins doctor's name. Yeah, I, I can't remember his <laughs> character's name. Daniel, I think it is. Uh, we'll, we'll just call him Tom Atkins. Um, just thinking about him as like the center, the focal point of this story. Like He's just a doctor. He's not a cop. He's not no. an investigator. He's not no. a detective. He's just a guy. And like he, as you mentioned, he's sort of like, yeah, a little curious. And then he goes on this whole, he like stops his entire life for like days on end to solve this mystery or try to solve this mystery. Um, I just found it daughter. very strange. Calls his wife only to cancel. Yeah. Seems like a good guy. Yeah. No, yeah. the, uh, the guy at the beginning is uh, he was a toy. He was a hardware store owner. Mm-hmm. So he had like toys in his store. So I guess he went over to Santa Mira to pick up his order because they yes. won't mail the orders <laughs> because yes, they're Santa spooky. Mira, the, the Irish town where Silver Shamrock, this company, is based. You um, got that right, Boyo. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I don't want to go like beat by beat through this okay, movie, okay. but I did, I did write down one thing that happened in the very beginning. So the film opens with this, this guy on the run and like already I'm like, all right, I'm in. Like, yeah. you know, I don't... I don't know who this guy is. He's running from like, you know, through this like fog lit uh, night and there's a car chasing him. And um, I'm like, all right, I'm on this guy's side. I'm, I'm into this. Let's go. And then at one point, seven days prior to Halloween. Yeah. At one point um, he gets trapped by uh, who we later realize are part of this robotic, you know, force that uh, Cochran has released into the world. And, um, at one point he's trapped and and being choked and there's one of these robots who's like you know leaning over him choking him and uh harry the shop owner is able to pull a wedge out from underneath a car tire and have the car smash into the robot Mm -hmm. but i use the word smash there and it's really more like uh you know loosely <laughs> loosely uh uh slide like that car cannot be moving more than one mile an hour and it it crushes this guy oh, he was in decimated. a way where he just like instantly falls over and like um I, all I, I could think I just, all i could think of was the gta wasted like flashing across the sh- across the screen <laughs> as the car hit him yeah yeah um Okay, so like I said, we don't need to go through all of this, but uh, were there any moments well, that you wanted to spotlight? Did you did you feel there was an underlying theme of eighties marketing uh, mm. towards children being a 
evil entity and realizing that, oh my God, every corporation in, <laughs> in the world is trying to make money off of little kids. Yeah. And it's yeah. been kicked up a notch because now they're not just trying to make money. They're trying to sacrifice them for Samhain, <laughs> the pagan god of Halloween or something like that. Yeah. Um, although I do, if you watch all of the Halloween movies, the idea of, I think it, he says Sal. What is he? He says it like Sal Wayne or something like that, but it's spelled like Sam Hain, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that comes up into the Michael Myers uh, timeline in oh, later does. movies. Yeah, like he's the. By part six, he's a. Uh, spoilers for the Halloween franchise, but uh, by part six, Michael Myers is like a tool of a cult trying to, I don't know, take over the world or something. I see. And Michael Myers is just like a soldier in their army. Mm-hmm. It kind of negates the fact of how scary Michael Myers is because you think he's like this, you know, just this evil entity, but then it turns out he's just like a, a lap dog for this group. Right. And I think they use the word Sam Hain at some point or it's painted on the wall or Mike Myers paints it on the wall. One of those entries has it where it all kind of comes back to this pagan ritual of, of Halloween. Yeah. So maybe they were like dabbling with that idea initially for three and then say, well, I liked some parts of three. We can work it into yeah. to later ones. But I do think the marketing theme, especially in the 80s, um, was probably on the nose at the time. Yeah, but yeah that's a good point. Back, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, let me just, Tyler, let me just lay out to you what, uh, what actually happens in like the macro sense in like a couple sentences. Right. And, okay. and just tell me how Laying insane this is that this is a plot of a, a major motion picture in 1982. <laughs> uh, there is a guy named Cochran who I guess in, in an effort to, um, appease these ancient, uh, pagan gods decides that. Um, a massive quelling of human life needs to take place, right? Like the, uh, you know, a, a, a sacrifice on. on a massive scale. <laughs> so in order to do this, he, I think we're meant to assume creates a, first of all, uh, he um, uh, fashions an entire career out of becoming like a yeah. joke prop guy for yeah. some reason. And then becomes, um, the world's number one manufacturer of Halloween masks. Uh Uh, And he then uh, steals a pillar from Stonehenge somehow, (laughs) and then inexplicably transports that into his James Bond villain lair in this very small town of Santa Mira, which is in Northern California somewhere. And there's no explanation, by the way, of actually how that <clears throat> that whole process uh, happened, that transportation process, because I would love to know. Magic. Uh, yeah. It was, how a, that it was a wizard. <laughs> um, and then, so he essentially scrapes off little pieces of, uh, of this sacrificial rock at Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. And I guess somehow... <laughs> inserts them into computer chips yeah. which are then themselves inserted into the halloween masks that are then sold all around the world mm-hmm. and then cochran decides okay i'm going to uh orchestrate a um, what must be a global um marketing campaign that begins at least a week out from halloween 
where uh, in which every uh, person who's wearing one of these masks needs to sit in front of the television at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're talking like real appointment viewing here. Right. And, uh, you know, how would Cochrane know when people are done trick-or-treating, uh, what time they go trick-or-treating during the night? None of this is really, uh, all of that is glossed <laughs> over. It doesn't matter. Time um, zones. Yeah, time zones, exactly. Um, But everybody just has to be sitting in front of their TV at one specific moment, wearing these masks, which have these computer chips in them. And then he's going to flash images of pumpkins on the screen, which somehow trigger... some the the chip to blow up the heads of children and then Mm -hmm. uh crickets and snakes explode out of their their fractured skulls and they bite the parents to death (laughs) (laughs) right just that one guy uh well that's that's what happened he went down uh, real quick (laughs) that's what happens in the one time that we see what happens like the example and then uh the movie's ending which we can talk about in a a couple minutes um sort of implies that that is what's going to happen on this massive scale so it's really just about uh you know if you're a parent whose child uh, dies in front of you and you, I don't know, maybe have a, a shovel nearby mm-hmm. um, or some sort of BB gun or something, you could probably just avoid being bitten by the oh, snake yeah. that crawls out and then you'll be fine. But I guess Cochran is like, this is a numbers game, baby. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure enough people are going to be dead that uh, Sam Hain will be yeah. satisfied. Like, that's the plot of this movie. Um, now, here are some questions I have for you that may make you rewatch the film multiple times. Is Cochran immortal? Do you yeah, think he's been waiting three thousand years to just come up with this scheme? Because he mean, had to. He had to have known like the long game. He's like, okay, I I need to put the masks on the kids. How do I do that? I can't just walk around and give, I'll become a super toy man. And a hundred years prior to this event. uh, And then everyone will want to buy my masks. Um, But then there is that little commercial at the beginning, or it's a, it's a news blurb about how the pillar from Stonehenge has been stolen. So um, yeah, that isn't really an explanation, but it is a nice little, Hey, something weird's going on here. Yeah, he's definitely uh, bided his time until he's, you know, hit this this window. Um, also, there were I, only three channels on the TV, so there was um, not a lot that Tom Atkins had to do to stop this from happening. Right. Could have maybe called the FCC or something. <laughs> yes. um, it wasn't like there were 600,000 channels that this was all running on. So if Cochran had just waited maybe 20 more years... <laughs> In his immortal life, uh, yeah. he would have had everybody, but he, he, went yeah, too, and he spoke too soon or he acted too soon. That's a good point. I wonder who, because it was un- unclear to me who Tom Atkins called at the end because he's like, <laughs> get it off the channel, get it off the other King of channel. TV. <laughs> yeah, like wh- who is he calling there? Was he on the phone with the FCC? I don't know. Yeah, and then good. like, he's like, you know, that the idea that, that a person let's pretend he is on calling the FCC. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't prove it. You just have to trust me. Like, Say it's a bomb or something. Yeah. Would they actually like the guy needs a reason to turn off the TV? I, I feel like whoever's on the opposite end of that phone call would just be like, this is clearly a crazy person. I'm just hanging up. Like yeah. there's no way that they would actually do it. But uh, let's talk about the ending real quick. Like, right. you know, he, he yeah, got another phone question booth. for you. 
and he uh, he he realizes that Cochrane's plan is is being put into motion, and he tries to call desperately, and they get the the uh, uh, Silver Shamrock commercial or or special event show or whatever uh-huh. you want to call it. A big pulled, giveaway, yeah, pulled from the the first two out of three channels, but on the third one the Halloween image starts to flash and he's like screaming, like, turn it off, turn it off. I yeah. shut it down. And then that's the end of the movie. So, um, great. Ideas. What, what do you think about that? That's very, uh, it's very John Carpenter. We've it, uh, um, ambiguous, ambiguous is the word I'm trying to think of this early morning. <laughs> and, uh, he did it with Halloween one. He kind of did it with Halloween two. And here we go. Halloween three, third time's the charm. Ambiguous rises again. Um, this is, I guess, an effect. What was the big giveaway, Ben, do you think? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, a lifetime supply would... of snakes? <laughs> or crickets for the snakes? <laughs> you would think that uh, with as many commercials as there are for the Silver Shamrock throughout this movie, yeah. the uh, the actual end game of this thing would be a little bit more clear. But it's really just counting down the days to Halloween, <laughs> and that's it. Uh and then they're like, remember, kids, be in front of the TV. And then they don't explain why. Do you, but, think, Cochran, um, you think Cochran personally approved the Silver Shamrock van to go through the town <laughs> with, its, uh, <laughs> with its megaphones? I yeah, those kids so. need a van to tell them what to do. <laughs> also, my, my final uh, makes you think question, was Ellie a uh, yellow goo robot the whole time? Uh, I don't or was think she transformed so. into one. I think she was transformed into one, or okay. maybe like there, maybe the real Ellie is is uh, was burned alive in the. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's dark, but maybe she was killed in the factory explosion. Oh yeah, um, because yeah, it seemed like like the idea of her being a robot the whole time. I briefly considered that when yeah. I was like, oh well, you know, she's in the car, and then I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Oh well, yeah, it would have to be that Cochran knew who Tom Atkins was, and that schlub would somehow end him and his right. his whole plans. So he had to send the girl out ahead of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought about that too. And then a lot of sense. I guess going back just a couple steps, like in, in the, uh, the uh, warehouse finale, right? The big climax mm-hmm. oh, yeah, action scene. Um, how on earth did Tom Atkins know that dumping those like chips on the robots would short circuit them or He's that Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I like it. That's all the answer I need. Uh, and and I guess the same applies to how he knew that uh, Cochrane would explode because he's standing like in between the bodies and the Stonehenge uh, pillar because like this laser just sort yeah. of shows up between. I'm like at he that minored movie, in mythology when he was in college. Yeah, I wish the movie was like able to make a little bit of the of its rules slightly more clear because you know I was with it up you know, up until that point, basically where they got to the, the factory at the end. Um, and, and even like into some of the factory stuff, like, you know, the, the uh, murdering the family. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I understood what was happening, even though it is, uh, you know, clearly uh, outside the, the bounds of our real reality. Um, but then just things start happening where it seems like the script needed them to happen. And it didn't, you know, like the the inner logic of the movie was broken to me at, at certain points during that climax where I'm like, how does anybody know what's going to happen here? What, what is the plan? What's happening? I don't know. I was, I was sort of uh, disappointed in the, the big climax. I, 
I kind of like movies like that where they don't explain stuff to you. It kind of treats me or it kind of feels like they're treating me like a interpreter of what is going on instead of like just, you know how some movies are really bad of at uh, exposition explaining mm-hmm. every single detail as to why this is happening in a certain, so that people don't write angry letters <laughs> yeah. about yeah. why did this happen this way? And I, I think it's been so overdone with the dialogue that to have a movie where nothing is really explained and you just kind of ride the same wave as Tom Atkins mustache um, <laughs> that you, you kind of go, I, I don't know what I would do. I guess I would just, I mean, he did, they did say that the, that the little discs, like when the laser shot through that lady's face mm-hmm. and everyone was like, Oh yeah, she's fine. <laughs> yeah. Even though she had like, the Emotep face. Right. Um, They were like, it's a misfire. Yeah. So he heard that. And then he went, was in the lab late one night and uh, saw that the little pieces of Stonehenge were put on computers. So he, he knew that there was something like that could happen. Yeah. That could explode. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll buy that. But it was fortuitous that he found an entire box of unused ones if they were like this is like five minutes before the broadcast you would think all of those would have been out in the kids faces by now but they still had like tons that they were preparing i guess they were going to do it again next year Uh, um yeah after the massive uh you know multi-country murder that took place they're like all right gearing up for next year maybe cochran thought america forgets so quickly and be like listen We've reforged our company motto. We're not about killing kids anymore. We're about giving kids joy. So here are this year's Halloween masks. Man, and that would be a, over and over and over again. Like the, the darkest <laughs> commentary of all. <laughs> we never learn. Yeah, um, man. There was a story about Ellie, the actress, which I don't know. This is kind of sad, but I, I guess um, she was a teenager and uh, she was uh, dating a famous director. And I wonder if you can guess who it was. Um, ben, you have any guesses? Uh, John Carpenter. No, it's Woody <laughs> Allen. Oh. And uh, I don't know the story. So it was hard was for a, me to yeah, guess. She, I, think she, oh, <laughs> I thought you were trying to think of directors that have dated uh, minors. Oh, I thought maybe yikes. you would come to Woody Allen. <laughs> but there's one point in the movie where Tom Atkins asks her how old she is after they bang, which I yeah. don't think is a defense. Um, no. But she says, I'm older than I look, which I don't know if that was a uh, dig at, at Woody Allen, um, but it was also kind of sad that she probably was a minor. And uh, <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, But she was good in this. I mean, it was fine. The yeah. sex scene was not good, but uh, she seemed to have, I think this was like one of two movies famously that she was in. She's probably in a bunch of other movies, but yes. Stacy um, Nelkin is the actress's name. Yeah. I thought she was good. Tom Atkins was the acting. I, I, did you have a problem with the acting, Ben? Um, Any issues? You know, I, I, I had my expectations set very low for this movie Ooh, and I would say that they were met. So I, I, I guess I, I wasn't uh, disappointed because I didn't really think that it was going to be anything that blew me away. And I thought it was all like, pretty um i don't know like workmanlike you know just like very uh yeah utilitarian like yeah. It, it, just, it did what it needed to do and that was it you know yeah it wasn't over the top but it wasn't like sci-fi original movie yeah it was uh it was it, it, i think it harnessed exactly what it was uh, meant to do and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that 
you know, again, fandom demanded Michael Myers return in Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. Um, and that maybe these ideas that either John Carpenter had or other directors had, uh, didn't see fruition that they would have to come out in some other way instead of using the Halloween banner as a way to right. get more interesting stories out there in the mainstream. Yeah, so, I, I really I don't, I don't like know. the idea of the anthology thing, and I wish it yeah. would have worked. Um, but I, I just don't know if this was the movie that was going to convince people. Um, it's almost like you wish that Halloween 2 never happened, because maybe if this was the second yeah. movie, then people wouldn't have had the the built-up expectation, you know, like having spent two movies with the same antagonist and then having that person or that character be abruptly removed. I can understand why people were not thrilled about that. Mm. Um, but maybe if this was Halloween two, then uh, history would be different. I don't know. Yeah. People are always demanding like Jamie Lee Curtis returns, but what if Tom Atkins returned for Halloween three, two, where we deal with the <laughs> aftermath of what may or may not have happened. Like let's say the event did go down and now Tom Atkins is living in a, 40 years since the event, the giveaway, yeah. maybe they call it the giveaway. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the thing that wiped out like three quarters of the population. And it's just Mad Max. The with only Tom, thing Tyler, <laughs> that, uh, that wouldn't work with that. And I'm surprised you, we haven't brought this up yet is that the movie Halloween exists in this universe. Yes. Uh, Tom Atkins watches it on TV a couple different <laughs> times, like sees little clips of it. So I, the idea of him, like you know, existing in that in this Halloween three world, and then crossing over with Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who he had previously watched on TV in a movie. Um, Wait, you're Jamie Lee Curtis? No, I'm <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Linda or Laura Stroud. Lori, yeah. Well, I didn't suggest that there was a cross. I, I suggested that it would be Halloween three two. It would be a sequel to just this movie. Oh, I see. I and thought you were exists- saying. That that he show up in the new uh, iterations of Halloween that they're doing, no. which is um, like you know, in 2018, Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. reprised her role in another movie called Halloween, and she's going to yeah. be in another movie called Halloween Kills, Kills, I think, and then like Halloween Ends, I believe, yeah. is supposed to be the final one. So I thought you were referring to Halloween Ends as Halloween Three Two because it's the third, <laughs> uh, it's the second. Oh, now I'm, third, now I'm back third. on board. <laughs> Halloween movies, but, uh, hey, it's the third one, isn't it? And, it's like Tom Atkins. Every single person who is listening to this has turned off their device. So. Well, no. Uh, now that we're talking about the Halloween reboot, that's not a reboot. What did you? We did. We they came and went before we had a chance to NJNM uh, treat Halloween 2018. I think that's did, correct. Yeah. Did you? Did you enjoy that? Films? I did. I, I liked wow. it a lot. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was great in it, and um, uh, it sounds like you hated it. No, I wasn't. I didn't have an issue with Jamie Lee Curtis. It was the, the. I think it was my issue that they did like a remake without doing a remake. It was more she, of a continuation. Any? You know? Oh, I, I, I. But the and this happened in Terminator: Dark Fate too, where at some point she's like, "Oh, you're the new Loomis." It's like, okay, we know we're watching. <laughs> Yeah, it was just very like um, I don't know. After watching like eight Halloween movies and then having to watch that, it, it felt kind of uh, insulting. But I, yeah, it, I think I think I think historically, you've never really been a big fan of the um, the movie franchise uh, move in which 
certain things are ignored and then mm-hmm. um, other ones are left uh, as canon. I, I think historically you've, you've sort of bristled against that concept a little bit. I mean, I have no issue with it if it's, if it's all they need is a big bang. Right. So like at the end of the Star Trek movies, they should have been like, oh, no, a big bang. And then they rebooted the universe. And then the next movie took place in this new reboot. Like if it kind of (laughs) like the Star Trek movie 2009 uh, kind of did it okay, where they said, oh, it's a separate universe. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But as far as like, yeah, when it's you like mythology as much as I do, where you kind of have all of this mythology and then they go, oh, well that doesn't it you know we're not going to use that we're going to yeah. do something different just to make money on this on this yeah. ip and it's like okay well you're not making film as art you're making film as money making cochrane mask <laughs> silver shamrock sons of bitches <laughs> um and and i mean i think you and i like appreciate the uh the narrative complexity of trying to yes uh, to something you know like absolutely all right you've made your bed now lie in it like, right you figure out a way to like make all you know nine movies worth of lore fit into a new movie if you yeah. want to continue this um and it's it's very rare that people actually like <laughs> i mean frankly i think a lot of that stuff would be not very fun to watch because it would be so esoteric and or and or so exposition heavy, like explaining away things that it would like drive people away. And I'm sure that's why they don't do it. But I think you and I just like, you know, in our own creative pursuits, which matter to no one, we right. we go the extra mile <laughs> and like do the thing to make sure that all of it fits. Whereas like, you know, a major multinational conglomerate is yeah. not going to like you know, get into the weeds that far, but, uh, well, yeah. the last movie Jamie Lee Curtis was in was, uh, Halloween was it resurrection. And she like broke her back at the beginning. So all they needed to do in the 2018 version was have her like in traction or like in uh, physical therapy. And then mm-hmm. you, you could have just done, you could have just told the rest of the story. She's just been like, uh, little piece of connective tissue yeah exactly just a little bit it doesn't need to be like self-referential but just a little bit to be like hey yeah remember when her back was broken that's fixed now (laughs) all right uh okay any other closing thoughts on halloween 3 season of the witch uh i really love that shot with the orange sky and the kids walking by that's pure halloween right there Mm -hmm. watch it just for that yep good stuff uh i think i think that's it tyler i think um we're coming near the end of whoa ben did you hear that i did what was that that was the great threegal in the sky he's uh he's coming he's flying by to drop off uh, a clue to our our next movie an eagle that actually had like the number three was that like spray painted onto it or is that just a natural fur hair growth feather growth in in the shape of a three i have to admit i did capture a bald eagle and spray paint three on its chest yes okay all right well is probably going to be coming after you very soon (laughs) yeah i tied six uh clues to its claws to drop every week and it's fluttering down and i just caught one oh, now nice, and, nice catch, uh, bro. thank you yeah it's just a, a piece of paper that has a quote on it it says mm-hmm. 
the film's dream sequences are ingenious and they feature some remarkable nightmare images and special effects from this is from janet maslin in the new york times so sounds like uh, that's a movie review quote to give our listeners just a little taste of what movie we're going to talk about next time Okay, yeah. Uh, well, we'll see if we can uh, figure out this clue. And um, I don't Although know. I don't think we have to. I don't think you have to watch every episode in order. You can watch any of, or listen to any of the episodes uh, out of order. I think you'd be fine. Right. Yeah. There's, There's no, no no through line here. There's no strange um, continuity. I hope that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of the not just in movies, uh, not just in movies podcast. Um, Tyler, can, do you want to tell people like where they can find you online? Are you doing anything these days? No, not really. I told you, uh, was in space for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have Twitter. So at the five cast, but it has uh, transformed into space whale. So, uh, uh you can not necessarily follow. something that you would recommend that people would go to. No, probably not. <laughs> okay. No, definitely not. All right. We have uh, an old uh, dusty Twitter feed at oh, MJNM podcast. I don't know if we're going to do anything with that, but you can at least follow us there and, and maybe we'll, you know, resurrect it. Maybe we'll breathe some new life back into that. Uh, you can find me at Ben pairs on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow me there. Uh, and I'm also writing at slashfilm.com and occasionally uh, a guest on the Slash Film Daily podcast. Uh, uh, po- the Slash Film Daily podcast. If you want to hear more podcasting stuff there, so you guys talking about Halloween three this week? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think great. this is the only podcast on the entire internet that's talking about Halloween three this week. Tyler, <laughs> sweet. And then um, those Cochrane dollars anytime soon. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next time. <laughs>